Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show. Welcome to the Half of Earth Sports Show. You have so many options for high-flying entertainment, yet you chose to ride with us, and we appreciate that. It's the Solo Weekends with Jay, so I'm going to do what I do best, navigate you through the sports landscape, the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few surprises. So you can always find us wherever podcasts are downloaded and listen to, rate us, and review us. Give us those five stars. We don't deserve it. Give us five anyway. Gifted. So today we're going to jump into the NBA thinking about salvaging its season. Talk about Disney World. I'm going to double down on the NBA doing wrong with the G League as well as some quarterback talk. So the weekends with Jay starts right now. The NBA right now is trying to figure out exactly how they're going to salvage this season. And to be quite honest, they have a lot of options. But I actually like this one and I'm going to explain why. So they're talking about doing some things at a centralized location. In other words, just like what baseball was talking about doing in uh, Arizona. But there's a big difference between how they were going to do it and how the NBA can do it. Um, I feel like the NBA's is more viable. I don't think baseball's was as viable, uh, mainly because of all of the pros and cons that come into play when it comes to actually doing games in a centralized location. So the NBA is looking at doing Disney World or Las Vegas. A couple more spots are popping up, but they're trying to make it in a place where they can keep all the players in one area, minimize the contact they have with the public, and then do it in an arena with basically no fans. So the Las Vegas idea is cool because, you know, you got a ton of casinos and hotels that are close, a lot of food options, and it won't be as packed. But Vegas is talking about opening up like it's economy soon so i don't know if that's going to be the smartest the other option was disney world that i've seen i like the disney world idea and i'm gonna explain exactly why that one's the best one especially when it comes to the pros and cons of why you want to do one over the other so centralizing the location here's some of the pros centralizing the location is smart baseball's situation is different because you had all the baseball teams They're talking about doing this with every single baseball team, have them in a centralized area to participate in games. That's a lot of teams. That's a lot of players. That's a lot of games. They're going to have to try to figure out in order to play. They would have to use multiple locations. The problem you run into that is, is the travel. They're eventually going to have to travel to a lot of different places, come in contact with multiple people. That's an issue. Whereas in the NBA, the difference is is they technically could just end the season now based upon the records today and go straight into the playoffs. That's less teams. It's only 16. So less people, less interaction. They could control really the player um, connections and who they 
uh, come in contact with. So it's a lot easier to produce. And then the cool part, this to me is the cool part, because I'm a dork when it comes to this kind of stuff, but uh, someone made mention that what the NBA could do is put mascots in the stands. So, like, yeah, mascot heads and stuff. You can put, like, Mickey and Goofy and every single Disney character you can think of, Pixar, etc. put them around the lower bowl of the arena and give them different signs and stuff based upon the games just to give you some sort of a quote-unquote fan interaction experience. That way you're not looking at empty seats. You're actually looking at Disney characters, which would be even more funny to see the players' reactions when they're shooting a free throw and Mickey Mouse is holding up a noodle. You know what I'm saying? Or a sign that says we love LeBron or something of that nature. That would be some fun, and that's creativity you can add into it. And I feel like more fans would really get into that portion of it because then they can, you know, try to see if they have a Where's Waldo type game with it. Just anything to get more fan engagement, even though the fans aren't physically there watching the game in person. So I like theirs in comparison, like I said, to baseball. But at the same time, I get where the cons that come into this, it's going to make it tough. Now, the, the issue that baseball ran into, to me, and the struggle is, number one, testing. Testing is where the problem comes in when it comes to this pandemic. And I'm going to give you guys some unsolicited thoughts when it comes to uh, the pandemic and COVID-19. The problem with all of this is that we don't have adequate tests in order to test people. This is why COVID-19 is completely different than the flu. With the flu, you can go to the doctor, they can do a swab, and you instantly have your results. And they can say, hey, here's the medications to take. Because they also not only have the testing down pack, they also have the medications for it down pack. So that's kind of how that goes. And when it comes to like the deaths and whatnot, in comparison between the two, the flu is going to take people out regardless because some people just won't be able to handle it, unfortunately. But you can get tested at that point be quarantined. It's no different than strep throat. Your kids got a fever at school. You take them to the doctor. They got strep throat. What does the school tell you? Keep them at home because they're contagious for a few days. But that's the thing. You know that they are testing positive for it because we have adequate tests. That's where the NBA is going to run to an issue. That's where baseball ran to an issue to me. You don't have enough tests to be able to test the players every single day. And it's, it's very poor optics for them to even have that ability because most people in the world, especially here in the United States, can't get adequate testing. So we have to step back when it comes to that portion of it and make sure that we're, we're, it's not poor optics in that capacity. That's what the NBA is doing today. That's where their issue hinders on this entire plan is because right now they recently put out a report saying that, that they don't want players to be tested if they don't have symptoms, even if they could be asymptomatic. They don't want them tested. They don't have symptoms specifically because it's poor optics. You don't want to look like you're insensitive to those who are really in need in comparison to this multi-billion dollar industry. You know what I'm saying? And these multi-millionaire players, that's where they have to figure this out. And then another piece is making a decision among 30 dudes, especially 30, basically alpha dudes, including Jenny uh, bus, uh, the lady in the, in the group, and even Gail down there in New Orleans, having these decisions made by these owners is not easy. Owners, think, imagine this. Pick up the phone, send a text message to eight of your closest friends and ask them where they want to go to dinner and have drinks together. How hard is it for you guys to come to a conclusion of where to go? Because everyone's one person's going to have an objection over somebody else's choice. 
and you're going to go back around in circles. And half the time, the reason why y'all don't do, y'all don't invite everybody out is because you know, somebody's going to object to the location. What do you think is going to happen with those owners? It's not that easy getting them together to make a decision. It's 30 people who think they are right all the time because they're all business people in some capacity. So that's where you're running into another issue with it is making a sound decision with 30 some people to get it done. So, but for me, the NBA can make this happen. I think if anybody it's the most viable because of it being a smaller group of teams, smaller group of people and everything. So NBA, good luck. I would love to see you guys play at Disney and finish the season out there. That would be some cool stuff. You've got all the facilities you need. You've got a gym and the HP field house, which is has held some rather large events. So you've got all the tools there. The question is when it comes to testing, not only the players, but the staffers, the broadcasters, the people that are, that are handling the food, all of that. That's where you run into an issue. And if that gets worked out, you can make this happen. Let's see if we can salvage the NBA season. Now on to the discussion of the NCAA. So earlier this week, there was a ruling behind players' names, image, and likeness, the NIL. And the NCAA has now decided to accept recommendations based upon what the board is saying. And to be honest, I feel like it's really a farce. But at the same time, it's good that they're finally making a movement forward. I feel like it's a long time coming. As you know me, I'm a big advocate for players getting paid for participating in collegiate sports because this isn't back in the day when tickets were a dollar and there wasn't really any broadcasting rights. This is a multi-billion dollar industry and those that are participating in the multi-billion dollar portion of it deserve some sort of a cut. Something. And it's not as complicated to me in paying these players as people are trying to make it out to be. The biggest thing that everyone always tells me about is competitive advantages for those schools that have more money than others. I'm not sure if y'all paid attention, but those competitive advantages for schools with more money than others have been going on for centuries. Actually, well, I mean, that, I mean, they've been going on for years. They're still going on today. So we can argue semantics on that all day long. You'll never persuade me that it's not right to pay these players in today's day and age. Maybe in the 60s, but not today. Heck, maybe even up to the 80s, maybe 90s. You know, I'm right in the cuffs, but not today. There's no argument there. So I want to talk about the NCAA's ruling along with the NBA G League and how they have basically pushed the NCAA's hand. And, and almost in a way, they go into a checkmate. So that ruling happened earlier this week. Well, that, that conversation from the board or statement, I guess you could say, did come out earlier this week. And then the G League did something that's now become, in a way, unprecedented, right? There's another prospect that's joining the fold of the G Leaguers, of, of college kids that are surpassing college and going straight to the G League and playing on their select team. Dacian Nixon. Dacian Nix, I'm sorry. Dacian Nix, he, he committed to UCLA. But then he most recently decommitted from UCLA and now has decided to go pursue this professional route with the G League. 
If I'm the NCAA, I'd be worried. I mean, think about the head coach there at UCLA today. His one of his top prospects is now gone. It's May 1st. We're in the middle of a pandemic. How is he going to replace that star player? How is he going to replace that star recruit? I think it's kind of shady the G League still pursued this kid or even the fact that this kid decided to leave and go to the G League at this moment. But I'm not against the dude making money. I'm all for people making money. Go go where you're going to get paid. Loyalty means nothing. And I'm going to say this again. Loyalty doesn't mean as much as you guys try to make it out to be. I'm typically a loyal person, but I'm also loyal to myself first. Why? Because in the end, the only person going to take care of me is most likely going to be me. That's the most important stuff. When it comes to family, it's a different story, but when it comes to this and business, business is business. It be what it be. I appreciate loyalty when it can happen, but I understand when it's not available because everything doesn't always have to work out in everybody's favor. And in this situation, this kid, he's going to go chase the money, and he's right. But I'm also upset with the G League, and I still feel like they're missing out on a great opportunity. So I'm going to rehash this, and I'm going to double down on my thoughts about this G League select team. I don't like that they're only going to make a select team and have them set up in just California. Now, if this is just the entry point and they're trying to see how this would work, figure out the logistics and everything, okay, I won't complain as much. But if this is not the case, if they're literally not going to leverage the entire infrastructure they have in the G League and prop up that product, to where they can make additional money off of it to pay these players. I mean, I'm very much disappointed. Like that's a, that's a very disappointing thing to see because the G league can in a way fund itself by doing this. You don't have to pay these kids millions of dollars, but you can pay them hundreds of thousands, especially coming out of high school. Go ahead and give them a check for 150, 200 grand and scale it based upon, you know, the level, let these kids negotiate it or, Expand the NBA draft. Let these kids get drafted. Even better, put this in the G League draft and let these players still sit underneath those organizations. So if these kids decide that they want to go in there, they can get drafted by a G League team. They can negotiate a contract and they can get paid. Go ahead and set up the players union for the G League the same way you have for the NBA. Or just have them underneath that umbrella and assist them with that portion of it. That makes more sense to me than just having a select team of kids getting paid and everybody else is still scrambling for scraps. These kids can benefit from the experience of playing against veterans. So there was some, I guess you could say, cause for concerns when it came to this portion of it. The biggest one is putting these kids in random cities like Sioux Falls, South Dakota, <laughs> or in, uh, in Indiana where the Mad Ants were. I mean, okay, I get it. Sending a kid to Westchester, New York, you're worried that they're going to be there. Help Oklahoma City with the blue. You're concerned that putting a kid in these small towns, you know, things may not work out. Honestly, I feel like you can create more jobs by with that. You can assign a specific coach, a specific coach that that's their trainer, and have them do it. But outside of that, and all those concerns, bro, we have a blueprint. We act like this is, hasn't been done before. Baseball's been doing it forever. Perfect example. Kyler Murray. 
Kyler was drafted first round into baseball by the Oakland Athletics. They gave him big money. And if he were to go, if he would have took that money and went ahead and played baseball, he took the money. But if he went and played baseball, he would have ended up in some small town in either a single or double A school team playing in front of a small crowd and traveling with them on the bus. What difference does it make in basketball? I get that the NBA is more focused on the individuals. And that's kind of where the shine is with the NBA is the individual stars. But this is just another way you can do it. It's not as follow baseball's model. Leverage your G League as a for real development league. Draft players. If they come straight out of high school, they're required to spend one year down there. You can add different elements of education to it. If you even want to, if they come fresh out of high school, you can give them a college scholarship just like they're doing for the select, which I love. So if they do, don't pan out in the NBA, they've got a college scholarship they can ride on. Do that. There's so many options when it comes to this that we could be take, they, that the NBA could be taking advantage of, and I feel like they're missing the boat. So they've already pushed the NCAA to the brink to where they've got them basically cornered for a checkmate. Because if the NCAA doesn't start paying players, they're going to start seeing a lot more kids taking this direction. And man, if the XFL would have just got things together and tightened it up and did the same thing that the G League is doing, bro, the NCAA will be in so much trouble. But then we get a better product because you know what? The one thing I've learned in working in the business world, competition is always better for the consumer. It leads to lower prices and better products and more innovation. That's what the NBA is doing to the NCAA today. They're requiring them to innovate. They're requiring, they're requiring them to evolve. They're requiring them to actually be modernized based upon the way the world is today, not back in the 1900s, early 1900s or the 1920s, 30s, whatever. You want to go a date, go a date. That's the key thing. They're forcing their hand. And I love it. I'm all for it because these kids deserve the money. Because the only reason why they're going to college, it ain't to get that degree, it's to get their families out of poverty. All right, let's talk about Jameis Winston going to the New Orleans Saints and how much I love that move by him. It's, I mean, it's a little different. It's a little unorthodox in comparison to what you would expect from someone like Jameis, even though, you know, the rumors has that he had other offers to other places. I love the fact that he's going to New Orleans as a backup. And I'm going to talk a little bit about him as well as Cam Newton and even Andy Dalton, who just recently got released by the Cincinnati Bengals and where I think they may end up. But I want to focus mainly on Jameis. So Jameis decided that in his best interest for his growth as a quarterback, it's better for him to learn underneath the tutelage of Drew Brees and Sean Payton rather than going to take the more lucrative offers that he received around the NFL. To me, that is the most grown-up move you could have made for someone like Jameis. Now, he has been scrutinized. He's been picked apart. He's made a ton of public mistakes. But the fact that he was able to swallow his pride and say, you know what? I think I need to learn from another expert says a lot about his character. I like that. I like that. He thinks that because the thing is, is we've got about four or five years of data on him. He's one of your typical quarterbacks where 
We know everything about you, bro. We kind of know what you are, and there's really no reason for you to get additional chances. But the fact that he's trying to resurrect his career by learning something new and growing from it instead of trying to be himself and think that he is the almighty, that says a lot about character. That says a lot about who he has grown up to be. Because all of us have evolved or grown up as a person over time. We're not perfect. If we were, we honestly wouldn't be on this earth. So there's no real purpose in really thinking that you're a perfect person and you can really judge everyone uh, that harshly without even looking at yourself. I mean, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say that, you know, you can judge yourself at the same time as judging him, more power to you. And he's in a position where he's playing a sport and a position that's the most scrutinized of them all. So, yeah, he's gotten a lot of heat, especially the fact that he set a record with 30 interceptions in the season. I've talked about before how only reason why he's got that many interceptions is because he's throwing the ball too damn much. Kind of sucks when your running game is not really good or um, even him, he's helped put his team in bad situations where he's had to throw too much. He has his parts in it too, but it's good to see that he's thinking outside the box and understanding that if he goes somewhere and learns, he can get better. Now there's another piece behind it is we should celebrate the fact that he can accept his flaws, but I think there's even more of a strategy behind this too, that nobody's paying attention to. Jameis went to the saints for one reason, one reason only. He knows that Drew Brees is going to retire and he knows that the backup Taysom Hill is a very easy mark. He didn't go there only for the tutelage. He went there because he knows that he can, if he shows out the way he can and he's taught right and he learns right, that's his job. That ain't Taysom's no more. Taysom's getting paid for this season. His contract for next year is what, maybe five, four or five million, and they can let him go because it's not guaranteed. If Jameis shows promise and he shows that he's willing to listen and learn and grow, I bet you Sean Payton takes him over Taysom Hill. And he replaces Taysom Hill with the guy that they just drafted, that Tommy Stevens, who they stole from Carolina by trading up into back into the draft in the seventh round and drafting him because he's basically another Taysom Hill. They feel like he's another gadget guy. Read the article on it. Sean Payton talks about how they've invented basically the gadget guy. And this Stevens kid is another version of Taysom Hill. They don't have faith in him. And Jameis knows that. So he's taking advantage of the situation. He's going to go. Like I said, he's going to learn. He's going to probably get better as I expect him to. It's going to end up being the replacement for Drew Brees in the future. Not a guarantee. I can totally see it happens. So don't be surprised if it does, especially him taking this one year cheap deal just to show that he's for real about learning. He can do it. And so then we move on to Andy Dalton, who just got released by the Bengals as expected. They drafted Joe Burrow. There wasn't going to be a quarterback competition. And unfortunately for Andy, he's forced to kind of start over. Now, there's been a lot of criticism on Andy as far as a quarterback goes. And rightfully so he always poops the bed when it comes to the playoffs, but he's had some really solid years under Marvin Lewis and under Jay Gruden as his uh, OC or quarterback coach. And he's learned a lot. So I can expect him to pick up another job. And I think he may end up in probably either Jacksonville or new England. That's the two perfect places for him. I know that Belichick can make the red rifle or the beige water pistol as calling calls him something more than what he is. But I'm surprised. Well, I get why no one traded for him. They didn't trade for him because his contract was too big. 
They want him to come in at a low price and show and prove himself. And when he does, he can command more money, which makes sense. That's kind of what you want to do with them. Honestly, the same thing with Cam Newton. They need to all go and follow in a similar path as Jameis. Take a low, low backup quarterback's salary and then go compete. Show yourself. But I think Jacksonville's a good place as well as New England. Belichick can do it, and Jacksonville kind of needs a quarterback, and I'm not sold on Gardner Minshew just yet. Even from there, Cam Newton would be amazing in New England. I know Belichick's always wanted a quarterback like him to work with, but he's not going to end up there, unfortunately, because they actually like Jared Stidham. They want to see what they got, and I understand that. You drafted the guy. You've seen him for weeks. You probably want to see, okay, Do we have something here that we can mold or do we need to move forward to something else? He's cheap, perfect opportunity, especially as you're kind of restarting everything. So there's nothing wrong with that. Denver will be a really good place for Carolina. I I, I mean, for Cam Newton. Now, I don't see them going after him because they're probably sold on Drew Locke, the guy with a second round pick. So you're probably sold and married to that situation. But Cam Newton would do awesome there as well. He's someone that you could uh, put in immediately and start winning and let Drew Locke learn behind. But we'll have to see. I don't see Andy Dalton doing well at that situation. That's not something for him. Um, But outside of that, there's really not very many spots to go to, which is surprising that most of these teams actually have their quarterback situation in place. Now, are they perfect situations? Probably not but they have something in place. They have a contingency plan. And this is honestly a rarity to me. Um, Chicago could go after one of the two. Actually, Cam could do good in Chicago as well. That gives you a quarterback and it gives you a leader that can help grow that team because Trubisky, we've already learned, ain't it. Detroit might be moving off of uh, Matt Stafford in the next year or two, but you kind of don't want to go into Cam or Dalton if you've already got Stafford, who has a rocket, you just got to put weapons around him. I mean, on the defensive side and running backs. But we'll see what that looks like. So I'm all for Andy Dalton ending up in New England or even Cam. One of those two would be perfect for Belichick. Him and McDaniels can build a system for it and make the magic happen, but I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. And with that, man, we appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on the Half a Burst Sports Show. Make sure you check us out on our website, halfabirthsportshow.com, as well as find us wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. Rate us and review us and give us that five stars. You don't think we deserve five stars? Just give us five anyway and gift it, all right? So thanks for Bob, Mike, and Wendy in the background for doing what y'all do best. And from our co-host, Jimmy, we'll have our standard show next week. You can check us out. May add some video as well. And then you can also find us on WMQGRadio.com, Tuesdays and Saturdays, noon Eastern, with replays throughout the week at noon. We'll chop it up in a couple of days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.